0: Here is your host, Mark Cravens, to share a word of encouragement with you today.
1: Thank you, John, and welcome to today's Hope Along the Journey podcast. We've got a great guest with us today here in the studio, Dr. Andrew Graham. I've known Andrew for many, many years. And Andrew, it's a joy to have you here today. Great to be here. Yeah, it cost me a meal at Bob Evans, but I think it's well worth the investment.
2: I had a great time.
1: Yeah. We had a great conversation, and we're here now to to meet with you, our listeners, and share with you a message that I think is going to be a benefit to you. Dr. Graham is a graduate of Liberty University. That's where he got his PhD. Uh, he's a professional licensed counselor, and he's also a teacher teaching in undergraduate and postgraduate work with people who are looking to know more about counseling or to get in the counseling field. He's married to his lovely wife Lisa. has eight beautiful children, and I'm going to just kind of let him tell a little bit more about himself at this point. So we're just glad to have you here in the studio today, Andrew.
2: Yeah, well, it's great to be here. And yeah i've been a I've been a licensed counselor for um, well a long time now, and have enjoyed the opportunity to work with hurting people and work with people who are interested in helping those who are hurting. Mm-hmm. And so it's just been a real honor. I've enjoyed the podcast uh, as a listener, and so you know, an honor to be invited to to share uh, some of what God has done and is doing in and through me.
1: Well, we're glad you're here, all the way up from sunny Florida here to rainy, dreary uh, Southern Ohio. We're delighted you're here today, and you've got a, a story that that I feel like that our listeners need to hear today. I know it's a story that has a lot of pain for you, and you've shared this story other places. I've heard you share this story. But I'd like for you to share your story today um, for our listeners, and I hope that all of you who are listening today, if, if this is a podcast that really ministers to you, or if you know of somebody that would benefit from what we're about to listen to today, please share this podcast with them. Dr. Andrew Graham, uh, back in 2009... Some things were set in motion that uh, changed your world. And so that's where we're going to start and let you tell us and our listeners today this story from your heart.
2: Well, I guess this story goes all the way back to 1995. I was in Bible college and was asked if I was interested in traveling with one of the ministry teams representing the college traveling around the country and accepted that invitation and uh, learned to love and appreciate the guys uh, and, the, and the young lady that that traveled together a number of years later uh, gotten married and gone to graduate school and my wife and i were looking for a place to relocate to and uh, moved back to or moved for the first time i should say to the state of South Carolina. And one of the guys that I'd traveled with, in fact, we'd even lived together a little while before we'd gotten married. uh, We sort of rekindled our our friendship Mm -hmm. and spent a lot of time together. Our families sat in the same pew together at church, and our children were best friends, and our wives were good friends, and and, uh, spent a lot of time together. Had breakfast together every Thursday morning to talk about life and talk about being a good husband and
1: and those kind of friendships are irreplaceable, aren't they?
2: Absolutely, right? yeah. absolutely, and and yeah, as you said in in uh, in January of two thousand and nine, uh, Brent and his family were uh, taking a little road trip, doing some antiquing, mm-hmm. and uh, stopped at a restaurant for supper, and and late in the night we're driving, or late in the evening we're uh, we're driving back uh, to South Carolina uh, when there'd been a there'd been an accident. And my wife and I, we'd moved, uh, our family, we'd moved to Virginia where I was mm-hmm. uh, working and, and studying at Liberty and got a phone call uh, from a friend saying uh, there'd been an accident. Mm-hmm. And so we, to- we made provisions for our children. And then my wife and I drove uh, from Virginia back to South Carolina and got to the home of our, our former pastor about the mm-hmm. same time that Brent did having realized that, uh, his wife and both of his young children had been killed in that car accident. Wow. Wow. And I'll never forget, I'll never forget embracing him and, um, sitting on the couch and just holding him Mm -hmm. like you would comfort a small child Mm -hmm. and just sobbing. Um, I was crying, he was crying, we were crying and, um, so it was some, some difficult days. Yeah, it had some to
1: feel days. surreal at that moment in some ways, probably for for some time it did for you and for him as well. Absolutely, absolutely.
2: We, The family had decided to have a memorial service there in, in South Carolina and then a second uh, funeral service mm-hmm. in Indiana. And uh, the church that they had been attending, that we had previously attended, wasn't large enough for the crowd and so they had made arrangements with a church down the street and i was there was some concern about some media presence mm-hmm. and so i had decided i was going to try to find a way to get from one church to the other church without having to interact with a lot of people and so i sort of navigated a path and found myself in the in the sanctuary of the of the larger church alone just me and uh, the casket that held his wife and the casket that held both of his young children together and mm. looking in and, and, you know, seeing the face of my wife and the faces yeah. of my oldest children
0: mm-hmm.
2: and just not understanding why it was Brent who was going through this and not me. hmm and so, you know, helped, supported, loved through that service. And it was time to leave to go to the service in Indiana. Mm-hmm. And my wife and children went back to Virginia. And I offered to help drive mm-hmm. uh, Brent to to Indiana. And, and Mark, we had a conversation along that journey that uh, – That has changed my life. Mm -hmm. I stopped at a rest area and and Brent was sleeping in the passenger seat of the car and I came back and got in the car and he'd woken up by then and he'd said to me, Andrew, when will I stop feeling like someone Mm -hmm. is punching me in the Mm -hmm. stomach? And I said, Brent, I think you're gonna have to get used to feeling like someone is punching you Mm -hmm. in the stomach. Mm -hmm. And we drove on a little bit longer, a little bit further and he said why did this happen why did my van go off the road Mm -hmm. why were the jaws of life insufficient for getting into the vehicle to get his family out in a more timely manner that they could receive medical care and i said to him brent Romans 8.28 says that God causes all things to work together for good. Mm -hmm. Not that God causes all things. We live in a fallen world. Bad things happen. Mm -hmm. People get sick after eating at restaurants. And people lose control of vehicles. And vehicles are designed to withstand crashes in such a way that Sometimes that makes it difficult to to uh, you know peel the roof of the vehicle off or whatever the situation is. I don't believe, Brent, that God wanted this, that God designed this, that God authored this, that God orchestrated mm-hmm. this situation. What I do know is that we can rest in Romans eight twenty eight that all things will
1: be worked together for Amen. good. That's good. I think what you just said probably hits on a nerve for a lot of people. As a pastor for over 30 years, you know, I've heard people say, why did God take our baby? Why did God take my husband? Why did God do this? And I think you make a very valid point that need to remember is that God doesn't orchestrate these bad things in our life, but... The promise is he is going to work all things ultimately for our good and in His glory, but there's more to the story, isn't there?
2: Yeah. So you know, I completed that trip. Drove him, uh, drove Brent to to Indiana. It was honored, honored beyond measure to be a pallbearer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't you don't think that you'll help a friend in that way. Uh, be a groomsman, yes. Mm-hmm. Be, a, be a, a church friend, yes. Be an encourager during difficult times, mm-hmm. yes. Be a pallbearer at the funeral of their wife and children. Isn't something that you consider doing. And mm-hmm. so honored to do that. Stayed there uh, a couple of days and then drove back to my own family mm-hmm. in Virginia. And Brent and I spoke uh, just about every day during that time. Mm-hmm. We'd text message back and forth. We'd, we'd call. Sometimes they were short calls. Uh, you know, he spent some time with various members of the family, uh, his family and his, his wife's family, and finally settled back down mm-hmm. in, in South Carolina. Didn't quite feel yet like he was ready to stay in the house that mm-hmm. he had shared with his family, but had uh, an aunt and uncle of his wife live nearby. Mm-hmm. And so he would spend some time at his own home and then come back and, and spend the night with the, uh, with the aunt and uncle in their, in their home. And, uh, we were talking about needing to go back to work, mm-hmm. needing to find things to do. It and it'd been a little bit more than a month now. And he felt like he was ready to do that, had returned to church and had spent some time with some other friends who lived in the area. In fact, we talked about um, we talked about going to a Gaither concert. The Gaithers mm-hmm. were going to be in Virginia, yeah. and so we bought we bought tickets. and He was going to come up, uh-huh. and we were going to spend some time. We traveled together, singing, and and so enjoyed the same style of music and mm-hmm. and those sorts of things. And he had gone to. Um, gone back to his employer and the employer had said, you know uh, we'd like you to go have a physical you know he had he had um, so he'd done that mm-hmm. and as part of that physical, the doctor had after hearing the story had asked Brent if he'd had any trouble sleeping and Brent said that he had and so the the doctor gave him uh, some samples uh, prescription medication to help him to sleep. And we talked about that. Uh-huh. And uh, later that evening, in fact, we'd, we'd already gone to bed, um, got a phone call from, uh, from another mutual friend mm-hmm. to say that a, uh, a cousin, family member had reached out to them to say that uh, the neighbor had found Brent dead. Oh, no. My, my. So sometime during that evening, um, he'd spoken to, he's not spoken to me that evening. He'd spoken to another friend that evening. Mm -hmm. He'd spoken to a great aunt that had had surgery. And he reached Mm -hmm. out to her to, you know, to say, (laughs) to say to her that he'd been praying for her. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And he'd reached out, I believe, talked to some other family members and had actually expressed that it had been a difficult day. Mm-hmm. Um, that seemed like there was some optimism in returning to work, but there had also been some paperwork related to insurance claims on the damaged vehicle and those sorts of things. And and he'd been alone. Another oh, circumstance had come up with extended family, and so the people that he had been staying with had, had left for the mm-hmm. evening. And in a moment or moments of deep, deep distress uh Brent had taken his own life.
1: It's 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 so sad when we see people we love reach that point where they they feel so hopeless and you had done everything that you knew to do. How did it make you feel? Did did you wrestle at first with any feelings like I should have done more, or, I wish I had done this or I had picked up on something. Did you wrestle with some of that initially? And oh, or- Mark, it's been almost twelve years, and I wrestle with that today.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, I, as has mentioned, I'm a. This is my field. I'm mm-hmm. I'm a mental health professional who knew that there had been some struggles, did mm-hmm. not realize to this extent. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, actually, I I ended up taking some time off from From counseling actually took some time off from the doctorate program that I was in and pursued counseling for myself, mm-hmm. working through uh, that and some other family related issues that were sort of mm-hmm. dovetailing together. Mm-hmm. I was at a camp meeting. I was attending youth camp with my with my oldest son, and the evangelist talked about stewardship Mm -hmm. and he was challenging those young people to recognize that stewardship isn't just about tithing it isn't just about giving god the first fruits of your labor Mm -hmm. it's about more than that and i thought to myself now he didn't bring up this part this was just the holy spirit speaking to me in that service what does it look like for me to steward this situation?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, having walked through that in 2009, my family went through some other difficulties mm-hmm. in the years following that. We had, you mentioned I have eight children. Well, we have given, my wife has given birth to nine. We have a a uh, a little girl, a full-term stillbirth in heaven already. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my parents... Uh, marriage ended after uh, after almost 30 years. Yeah. And, and these were difficult, difficult things to walk through. And yet that conversation in the car with Brent and feeling like the Lord had helped me to convey to him that there's no situation beyond God's power to redeem and restore. Amen for His glory, and for our edification. Mm -hmm. And what does it look like for me then, for God to redeem and restore this situation? Mm -hmm. God did not want that accident to happen. God did not want Brent to be so overwhelmed emotionally that he did something that very uncharacteristic for him. Mm -hmm. You know, my accountability partner, my, my prayer partner, you know a significant person of faith and yet so overwhelmed with knowing that he would not see his children you mentioned about being surreal i remember him talking to me about how there would be moments where he would just expect that the door would open and they'd be Mm -hmm. home from the library or whatever errand that Mm -hmm. they had been out running some homeschool field trip Mm -hmm. or something like that and then the realization you know, no, they're not coming back this side of heaven. Right. And I went through that part as well. Yeah. Sunday nights mm-hmm. for years, or somebody might share a funny joke or a bad pun or a something like that, and I, I'd think to myself, "Oh, wouldn't Brent enjoy? Yeah. You know, we'd have a good laugh over mm-hmm. that." And then to remember for myself, that's, you know, he's not, he's not coming back. Mm-hmm. Not, I won't see him again. Uh, this side of heaven. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that has forever, forever altered my life, mm-hmm. helping me to be a better father, a better husband, a better teacher, a better counselor about working with people in distress and about making sure that people realize that even in my darkest of times, even in those times mm-hmm. where I have questions about what I did or didn't do, or what God right. did right. or didn't do, being able to rest in Romans eight twenty eight that God is working this situation for our good and for His glory, yeah. and going through the loss of a child not easy. Going mm-hmm. through the dissolution of my parents. Marriage not easy, going through other things as a family mm-hmm. and work walking as a counselor, walking through the most difficult parts of some people's lives, and knowing that God, God's sovereignty does not mean that He is necessarily the author of what is happening, mm-hmm. but He is able to work. He is able to re-author. He is able to work yes. in and through that situation. Mm-hmm. He is able to redeem redeem what was lost mm-hmm. in, in a way that brings glory to him and edification to his people.
1: Well, Andrew, I really appreciate you sharing this, and I knew this was going to be tough for you to share today, And but I really appreciate you sharing this from your heart because I think in doing this, number one, I think you honor your dear friend. You, you, you honor his memory, and you make it significant that his life was not lived in vain because what happened even the tragedy of his life has been able to be used for God's glory and for your edification, as you mentioned. Second thing is the fact that this matter of stewardship and you sharing this because this experience that was so painful and other experiences that that compounded it, you've been able, by the grace of God, to turn that around and be able to use that for the good of other people. What what would you say? And I know you and I have been talking here, but for a moment, I'd like for you to just reach out to whoever is listening today. And what would you say to them? Because, you know, I, I hear somebody through their pain saying, but yeah, you don't know my story. You don't know about how I was abused or raped as a, as a child. You don't know about the ugly divorce and the circumstances around it that I went through or what it was like when I lost somebody close. And and again, all of our stories are different, and grief is not a one-size-fits-all. But what would be things you would like to just directly say to that person who's listening today who just is struggling to feel like there's a place for their story and that God wants to redeem even the bad stuff and the painful stuff in their life?
2: Yeah, even around the same time I was counseling in a community mental health center. And so in that sort of setting, my Bible was in my desk, not on my desk. Mm -hmm. And I prayed for my clients, but not ever with them. And I remember a young man who knew that I was a person of faith because of the different Mm -hmm. symbols that I would have in my office that would let people know that if this is something they wanted to navigate something about faith that I was open mm-hmm. to doing that. Mm-hmm. And this young mention this young man had previously told me his story, which was just as you, you just horrible abuse as a child. Just it would it would traumatize you to hear the story. Mm-hmm. And he talked about um, getting moved from one grandmother to the other grandmother and the new grandmother taking her taking him, uh, with to, uh, to church with her, and the pastor preaching on Romans 8.28. And this young man who had this terrible narrative of abuse and neglect and, and all sorts of things went to this pastor and said, what about my story? And that pastor, Mark, said to him, I don't understand, but if these bad things happen to you, it's part of God's plan. And this young man started to cry in my office and said, do you believe that? And I said to him, I do not. I don't believe that God wants children, Mark, to be sexually abused. I agree with you. I do not believe that God wants children to be abandoned and neglected. When someone sins... They don't sin in a box, it mm-hmm. splashes out on other people, mm-hmm. sometimes innocent children, and that was his situation. And so with tears in my eyes, as you know, I'm mm-hmm. often to do, with tears in my eyes, I said to him, that's not what Romans eight twenty eight means. It does not mean that everything that happens, happens because God has orchestrated it. It means that no matter what happens, God can redeem it. And I said to him, I don't know the path that you'll take, but, you know, if you return to that church or a different church and you pursue God, you know, he will, you know, he is able to redeem this situation and, uh, and so I would say to those out there who have those questions, and we all do, why did this job end differently than I thought? Why was this relationship taken from me? Why mm-hmm. this? Why that? I, I don't find it comforting to say that God caused, God authored this bad thing. But I do find comfort in knowing that God can work in and through that situation, uh, no matter what it is. Even if we were the ones who messed up, even if we're mm-hmm. the, whether we're the, the, the victim or, we're the, or whether we're the perpetrator, God can work in and through so those situations.
1: I believe that. I believe, and as you do, Andrew, that God is the redeemer mm-hmm. and he will redeem everything we let him redeem, both the good and the bad stuff in our life. If we'll only give it to him and let him redeem that for his glory, I, I wish we had more time, Andrew. I, in fact, we got to get you back on, okay? Just got to, <laughs> if nothing else, just because we had such a great time at Bob Evans, we got sure, to do this sure. again. So, but we are we're thrilled to have you on the podcast. We don't want you to be a stranger. We are going to work to try to get you back on again because I know with your field of experience and your heart and compassion for people, there's just a lot of different things we could talk about that I think you could benefit and help others today. But listeners, those of you that are here today listening, just want you to know that here at Hope Along the Journey that we are alongside of you, that we care about you. The whole purpose of this podcast was to try to make it a ministry of healing and hope and help to those who are who are hungry to find some hope. Jesus Christ is the hope of the world, Amen. and may today you find hope along life's journey. God bless you. If you would like to reach out to Dr. Graham, he's providing an email address for you. That's at Dr. Andrew Graham, D-R-A-N-D-R-E-W-G-R-A-H-A-M, DrAndrewGraham.com. So reach out to him. He would be more than happy to talk to you.
0: Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and would like to know more, follow us on Facebook at Hope Along the Journey or send us an email at hopealongthejourney at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you join us again for more Hope Along
1: the Journey.